Twilight Boulevard Club. Welcome to Don't Be a Deuce with, I'm your host, Stefan Cadu, and co-host, Paul Cairns. How's it going, Stefan? Good. It's been a while. You know, we did this a little while ago. We did a, a French Open preview. Actually, you and I thought it was, when we asked, when's the last time we did this, our first episode? We, thought, we both thought Wimbledon, and we had to really think about it uh, long and hard. And, and yes, yeah, so we did a French Open uh, preview, and then we thought we are going to eventually, you know, talk about some more Grand Slams. We've obviously got the Australian Open coming up. And in addition to that, a little warm-up tournament that I, both you and I found very interesting leading up to it was the ATP Cup. On. Believable. Right. Canada did okay. Well, considering the start to lose 3-0 to the U.S. in the first match and then to come back and win the whole thing, it's, it's staggering. Now, in all fairness, Chappell was not playing for the U.S., or did he play doubles? He played the doubles, but he was recovering from COVID. I think he was still COVID. recovering from COVID, yeah. yeah. he was. He was definitely not at 100% for sure. But to lose that first match 3 nothing, and then to come back and to beat Great Britain and then beat Germany. That was an, that's a tough pool. That's an unbelievable pool. Great Britain, you got Germany and the U.S. in that pool. That's one of the worst pools. The pool of death. Well, and we came out of it. And then to go on to beat Russia in the in the semis and then beat Spain, it's unbelievable. I mean, we made the the uh, Davis Cup finals in 2019, lost to Spain in Spain. I mean, it's you know we've had some success, but to actually win, it's it's a huge moment for Canadian tennis. And, and now the I guess the main difference in formats with Davis Cup, it's three out of five. You've got two, well, essentially four singles. You've got your two singles players that cross over and play each other. So they play twice, and you've got one doubles. With the ATV Cup, it's two singles and one doubles. So it's now two out of three instead of three out of five. Yeah, and they're, and they're playing only one singles match instead of two uh, each player. So it's three matches. And obviously your five. number ones have to play each other. Your number twos have to play each other, which a, our number one is now Auger, which was weird to see at first. You kind of expect Chapeau. You're just used to being Chapeau, the, the one who broke through first a little bit. Uh, I say Chapeau because I can't pronounce his name. No, I can't. Um, it's just more fun. Chapeau. Uh, and I am French. Uh, but yeah, seeing OJ playing at the number one spot, being the younger guy, um, I mean, well deserved. He had a quarter, what, a quarter in the semis last year versus Chapeau's uh, uh, quarter. He sort of uh, raised him one. Uh, no, Chapeau to semi, actually. Semi. Yeah, he played a great match at it's Wimbledon Joker. against yeah, yeah, Joker, yeah. right? We did that live yeah, there. It was yeah. a very competitive match. He had his chances. He couldn't convert. But I mean, really, you know, Felix is now number nine in the world. That's unbelievable. Dennis's highest ranking is 10, so he surpassed uh, Dennis's highest point. And uh, obviously with that quarterfinals at Wimbledon and then losing to Medvedev in the uh, semifinals. So players obviously collect points to play the ADP Cup? Yeah, they get points for playing the matches they do. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of replacing the Hopman Cup they used to have. Right. I think it's a much more compelling uh, warm-up to the, and start to the year. And I think the players love it too because they get to compete as a team, which doesn't happen too much. Yeah, in and it's, I mean, you, can, you cannot simulate, obviously, um, playing pressure matches like that, quality matches. And, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, it's an individual sport, so the odd time they get to represent their country, you can, you can see by the little, little uh, circular dance at the end how, how pumped they were. I mean, I think it's tennis players is a pretty nice thing. Just think sport. about it again. It's unbelievable! Like it's, it's you have to sit back and actually think. We we just won a team event, and you know have the best men in the world right now as a country. It's pretty phenomenal, and, and some big wins along the way. Like I think it, Felix took down Zverev uh, in the match against Germany. Three tough, hard, hard set, hard sets. And, and Zverev is one of the best players in the world right now. He's coming into his 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 own, coming in his own. So he's probably you know one of the guys to threaten to win a Grand Slam or the Australian Open or. I mean, he's he's uh, playing well, so this has got to be a huge confidence boost. Yeah, it's it's massive, and you know, to go in and, and play Bautista Agu in the finals, and if anyone watched it, it was so some, consistent. Some that is miss. And the shot making was phenomenal in, in yeah. that match. So to and you know, Bautista really pushed him, had some break points uh, to get back in the match in the third set, and, and Felix fought them off. So 
uh, you know, he looks really poised. He looks a lot more consistent than I've seen him. He looks physically ready to really grind. I think Uncle Tony's been doing a lot of work with him. And, and, I, and I remember the one point, I think it was at 2-1 in the tie break. He had this huge point where he grinded it out and hits, hits the winner and he goes up 3-1 and then and then controls the tie break. His demeanor kind of changed like in terms of belief. He really believed that he, you know, he can and, and should and, and will win this match. And then and then he kind of rolled with it after that. Yeah, and those, those could be changing, defining moments in someone's career, right? You know, having these big wins on this big stage could propel him and make him ready. I mean, he had a good year last year at the Grand Slams. He hadn't done much up until the, the Wimbledon where he made quarterfinals and then make the semis of of the U.S. He's, he's taken the right steps. So now we'll see if this year, he, if he can really break through. Yeah, he looks very fit. Every time I see him, he looked to me, he looks like his legs are just even stronger than, than the previous Grand Slam. So I think, I think his coaching group, Uncle Tony, uh, his whole career, they're doing, you know, he always looks really fit to me. I never feel like he's, he's the, the more tired opponent of the two. He always looks incredibly fit. So good sign for uh, the young Canadian. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we've really seen the guard change in terms of Canadian tennis. We think back, it was Milos, who really 10 years ago... Milos broke, and Bouchard brought, put Canada to the map. Yeah, Milos is now 69 in the world, Vasek possible, so the guy yeah. as high as 24, he's 134 in the world. Bouchard, I'm not sure where she is, I think she's maybe doing some commentary somewhere. She's posting fitness videos, I follow her on Instagram, she's posting fitness videos, or she's actually going through a uh, big recovery, she had uh, kind of a nasty surgery, but, uh, but you know what, if it's, it wasn't for Bouchard and Raonic, and I'll say possible as well, you know, th- those are current stars, um, would not be uh, where they are today because they, they they created the belief system. Like it is possible, clearly it's possible. They're you know at the time Bouchard and, and Ramos were top five in the world, and it's showing hey you know what we can we can get some results here. This is this is going to happen. No, Eugenie was, deserves a lot of credit to do yeah. what she did. I mean she made a finals of Wimbledon. Um, I think she made semis at two other Grand Slams the same year. Yeah. Uh, she deserves a lot of credit. Unfortunately, her career got a little derailed by the concussion at the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open and. Uh, you know, it's tough. It, 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 in tennis, what happens is you, you rise and then there's a playbook on you and people study your game. The question is, can you adapt? If you look at someone like Nadal, how much he's changed over the years and how much he's evolved, it's hard to do. It's hard to say, I'm going to commit to keep playing and keep getting better. You know, Djokovic has done the same thing. His fitness was obviously the biggest change, but he really re- reworked his serve and his finishing skills at the net. And that's the thing. You know, you look at Bianca switching over to the women's game right now. She wins the U.S. Open. Now everyone's game planning. There's tons of film on how she plays. Yeah. They're studying her. Targeting her back, yeah. And it's, you know, it's hard to stay healthy, right? So you're willing to, you know, do you have luck? And then you're willing to do the, the extra, a little bit extra work to stay healthy and fit. So. And this, this is what's going to be interesting with Fernandez coming up, making her, her finals of, of U.S. Open. You know, can she, like if she was to back up, play the, the uh, in Australian coming up this week and, and you know, make a quarterfinals. Um, you know, she's what, 24 in the world, uh, 24 seed. And uh, she was to make like a quarterfinals. Like that to me would be an incredible result. Like you can't expect another finals right away. That's just too much. But you know, versus she loses for a second round, you kind of like, okay, well, the typical story, someone does really well, you know, maybe they weren't taking that seriously or they just were hot for a couple weeks. And now, you know, what can she do? Can she win when she's supposed to not necessarily win the tournament, but expected to kind of make a round of 16 or quarterfinals? Can she achieve the result? And and that to me is why, you know, the Serena Williams, the, the Federer Djokovic Nadal are so incredible because they're just, you know, time and time again, they've won grand slams when they were expected to. And, and they did that time and time again, you know, that's that's so difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, and, and Layla has the right mentality. She's exceptionally hardworking. She really works on her fitness. She's always trying to improve her game. So if anyone can do it, I think she'll back it up. I'm looking for her to have a good year this year. You know, even if she wins two or three rounds at the Australian Open, I think that's a success to start the year and then something she can build off of. Uh, my big question is, you know, can Bianca come back? She She's taking the Australian Open off to... Mm-hmm recover mentally from the pandemic I think she's had some you know family issues over over the last two years uh, and has had a lot of difficulty staying healthy and I think it's taken a big toll on her mentally 
Uh, so she's going to take this time away from the game. You know, does she come back? What happens at the French Open? And then can she start putting together some big runs again and, and stay healthy long enough? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what her mentality would be. Did she come back for the French, uh, accepting it's not her best surface? You know, sort of no pressure in terms of results. And then really kind of gear up for Wimbledon U.S. Open to sort of have some higher expectations. We'll see. Well, let's hope she can get back to it. But, you know, she's she's laid the groundwork as Eugenie did. And you look at the, the junior game right now and on the women's yeah, side. So now we've got another generation below, right, of these top juniors. Now, I was surprised, I was shocked when you were showing me the rankings of the, the Canadian athletes. There's ton, like there there's how many? Five in the top, what? Five in the top, top 50. 50. We have five uh, young women that are currently top 50 in the junior amazing. rankings. We have got... Uh, Thank you, Bianca and Fernandez and Bouchard. I mean, it's pretty impressive to see. On the on the men's side, you know, we don't have quite the same depth. We've got uh, uh, Jaden Weeks, who's 42 in the world in the juniors. He still has two more years left, so he's he has he's on that trajectory where he could break through. But, you know, on the, on the uh, women's side, we've got Victoria Mambuco. She's sitting at 24 in the world in the juniors, and she's she has two more years left. She's a 2004 uh, Maria Stacu- Marina Stakusic, who uh, is a member at the Boulevard Club, actually. Oh. Um, get a little connection. A little Boulevard connection. I don't deserve any can credit you, for can it. Can you give me some tickets for when she uh, ends up on the center stage in a Grand Slam tournament? I have, her, tickets, Paul. I have her dad's cell. Okay. We, can, we can try. I'm not sure we'll get anywhere. Probably shouldn't say it on here. Uh, but she's uh, she's number 31 in, in the world in juniors. And then Kayla Cross is sitting at 33. And Annabelle Zhu is sitting at, at 36. And then we've got uh, Mia Krups, who's sitting at 47. So in in three of those young women are 2004 so they have a couple years left and really they're on the trajectory when you look at them and you compare them to Bianca and you compare them to the top players in the world that's where they need to be so next year you want to see them in the top 10 uh, in the juniors and then really make a big push into the pro pro game the following year so it's pretty impressive to see and, and what's neat we discussed this before it's now there's a real reference point right now Canadian tennis has gone where it's gone you know basically they'll call us a third generation of, of sort of stars coming up now there's a real reference point in terms of where the athletes have been. So now they can measure what, you know, how good was Bianca at, at 15, 16 uh, Fernandez and have a, a, a reference point that they can use a, and, and it's measured. So that's really exciting. Now, do you have a sense of the these five juniors you just mentioned? Um, do some of them train together? Yeah, they, they train together a fair bit. Victoria Mambuco and, and, and Marina Stakusic and Kayla Cross. Those are the three that have been sort of the, the top in Canada. Annabelle's also been up there as well. Um, and they're, they're pushing each other on a regular basis. And, you know, they also get a chance to hit with people like Carol Zhao, who got up to 100 in the world. Uh, they've been hitting a little bit with Bianca. And they, I think they're realizing they can measure up. Obviously, they need to get a little physically stronger mm-hmm. and fit. But I think they know they, they have what it takes. And, you know, the Canadian system has proven it can do it. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see what happens with them over the next three years. Um, but, uh, you know, what a, what a culture of tennis we have in Canada now. Who would have thunk it? Did you say thunk it? Thunk it. I know, bad word. Thunk it. What can I say? Uh, but that leads us a little bit to the Australian Open. We can see where the Canadians are quickly in that draw. Uh, Chapo sitting in the top half. N- not too bad. He would play uh, Zverev in the round of... Uh, well, before that, do you think... Oh, so, <laughs> first round. So he has potential Opelka, uh, Opelka in the third round, who's, if you don't know him, he's six foot 11. Uh, Opelka is playing Anderson first round, who I believe is six eight. So we've got to battle the Giants. Um, I'm going to guess Opelka, uh, you know, younger, faster, sharper, is going to win that one. Is he someone that I know Australian Open courts are not as fast as U.S. Open? But is that, is that someone that would you still favor Shapo in that one? Or I mean, I, I would anticipate a couple tie breaks, given the guy's serve. Yeah, I mean, Opelka's serve is huge, and I would say probably the the thing that separates Dennis right now from a lot of the top five players is his returning. He wins less than 30% of the points returning first serves, and he wins less than 50% of the points returning second serve. So it's not a great matchup for him because mm-hmm. Opeka's serve is so big. 
you know, if Dennis plays solid, you know, I think he's still the favorite to win that match. I'm going to take him to win that, and I'm going to see him in Zverev in the round of 16, which, you know, Felix just beat Zverev in the ATP Cup, so hopefully he's got some intel and maybe he can uh, come up with a big upset there. Yeah, that's, that always scares me when a player, you've, you know, you've just beaten a player and then you have to play them again shortly after. You know they're hungry, so it's not my favorite scenario. I'd rather be the one who just got beat who wants to, like, have revenge, but The good thing we'll is take it. it was Felix, not Dennis, who beat him. But, and then if he uh, gets by Zverev... After playing the, the the potential giant as well, then you'd have Nadal, assuming a healthy Nadal, in. so it's not an easy draw. No, I would say it's an easy draw. It's not probably one of the draw. tougher draws in the tournament. But you know, anything can happen. You know, we'll see if this is Dennis's year to break through. Uh, Felix looks like he's got, I think, a slightly better draw in a lot of ways. Um, he would have Rublev in the 16s, um, first round matchup against Emil uh, from Finland. So I think you know it looks pretty promising, uh, and then we'll see if he can build on the ATP Cup and really push forward. Yeah, if you were going to play a top five seed, I think, no offense to Rublev, he's a solid player, but I think Rublev would be the one you would choose. He hasn't really proven himself in Grand Slams to go too, too far, so that's that's kind of a good draw that way. And I think Felix is a good game to match up, and although that half of the draw has Medvedev, or that quarter, and uh, Medvedev right now seems to be Felix's kryptonite, just too consistent, and Felix has trouble, like everyone does, putting the ball away against him, so it should be a great U.S. Open. Everyone has a hard time with Medvedev right now. Yeah, I think he's won four of the last seven matches against Djokovic, but we'll get into that on our next podcast. If he gets to play. Um, so that'll I think this will wrap up our episode, and we'll um, this was episode number two, Paul. Two of many, many to come, and I think we're going to preview in our next episode, episode three, the uh, Australian Open, beyond just the Canadians. We'll preview the men's and women's draw, uh, who are maybe our favorites are, who uh, could create some upsets and uh, just give you a little something to think about. Maybe talk about some vaccinations too. Oh, why not? Let's do it. Never get sick of that. Well, we just discussed the state of Canadian tennis, and it's pretty clear it's uh, we're pretty good hands right now. It should be yeah. a great year for Canadians. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We are Paul and Stefan, episode number two, Don't Be a Deuce. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.